Starting is always the worst, isn't it? Yeah. But it's also the best because you know that once it's started, it's just one more step towards completion. Which is just one more step towards death. Which is just one more step towards heaven. So really, it's quite a happy thought. It is, actually. Death is actually not a sad thought. And I really feel like we need to talk about death more often. Yeah. Well, I I know. And I I guess, like, I I feel like I do. Me too. (laughs) But, like, I... I've been accused of being flippant about death. Oh, oh, I have too. And also, like, morbid. Yes. Yeah. But I think properly conceived, death is what we're all working towards. It's what we're all living towards. Yeah. We live so that we can die. Yeah. And if you have... Live your life so that you are looking forward to that, Mm -hmm. then your death is not such a terrible thing. And... Also, you you can see that it puts every little moment of life into its proper perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and, think, I, and I think also just, like, realizing how short this life is. I love how this psalm... I forget which psalm it is, um, but how it's, how it's written in our, in our book of praise is, like, you're going to get 70, maybe 80 years, you know, like... Maybe that tops. Yeah. Like, what is that? That's just a, a breath. Like, that's like, what do you think that is? Like, yeah. that's nothing. Like, you can't. What are you going to get with your yeah, constant striving? Yeah, what are you going to get? Exactly. Your constant striving. You're not going to get ahead. Yeah, what, what are you going to get know, ahead of? The grave? Yeah, exactly. You can't, you know, and like, you can't work anything out for your, yourself in that amount of time. Exactly. Like, that's, you, you can't make your own. Like, and that's like the whole legacy. But you can see why, actually, this the pressure of having an heir comes in because like you know you're not gonna live but like maybe your son or daughter will like continue your legacy right like that's where people like the whole idea of legacies yes you know because you're like okay at least i can you know rest in that you know they're carrying on my legacy but and like you have you don't know though because you're dead so like like, that's just think about how short-lived even the great men of history are Think, yeah. I, I always think of Alexander the Great mm-hmm. because he, he's the great mm-hmm. and we have gotten to a point in history where people ask you, Alexander who? Yeah. Right? You say, oh, it's like a Gordian knot. And they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm sorry I had a classical liberal education, but we'll just move on yeah, from this. Yeah, we're going to move on from that. I know. That's, that's funny. But what my that's... point was is that even Alexander the Great was not great enough to be remembered for all time. Yeah. Yeah. There are people living today who have known no nothing idea. about him. Yeah. And that's just going to continue. Yeah. And, and how many more people are like him? Right now, it's the Ides of March. Mm-hmm. How many of us really know about Julius Caesar? Yeah. When we say somebody's crossing the Rubicon, we don't even really know what that means. Yeah. We're just like, oh, he can't come back from that, yo. <laughs> He can't come back. He he did it now. And they're like, "Why what what does that mean?" I was like, "Well, I don't know. What is the Rubicon?" Maybe like a like a little um little mouse and like when the cat crosses a cross the it's the story of a mouse named Ruby and oh. he he conned this cat and it's the Rubicon because, like, he conned the cat into thinking he could cross his path, but, like, it was actually a black mouse crossing. I see. And that's where we actually get a black cat crossing your path because the mouse 
Ruby the mouse turned the cat black by crossing his path. See, that is one of those details in school. It that totally so gets many people, missed. It does, but you know, I I I feel like my life has so much more value to it now. I'm glad. <laughs> it's one small service I provide. Oh boy! So we went from talking about death yes. to a made-up mouse named Ruby. Yes. So what else are know, we now, going to be talking about? A, now I want a mouse named Ruby. Uh, but no, what we're we're going to talk about? Uh, you you said to me, uh, we should talk about work-life balance, Megan. And I said sure because there is no such thing, and I like talking about things that don't exist. Yes, like a mouse named Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to Sally Forth. Join the dynamic duo, Edwin and Megan, as they explore topics of gravitas and pomp brought to the brink of absurdity and thrown off down, down, down the precipice of ridiculousness. I, I think this is something that gets thrown around a lot. A lot, a lot. A lot, a lot. Oh, I'm working on my, my you know, work-life balance, which I'm like, mm-hmm. it's funny that you're saying you're working on your work-life balance. So does that so actually like, that end actually up on throws, this? It throws the balance out because you're working on balancing your work life. Yeah. And so that means life is already in the negatives because you're working on something. Yes. It's a Sisyphusian effort. It really is. I, I think the constant is that it's always out of balance. And so you had said you've, you've heard this idea of like a pendulum. And that's immediately where I thought of like when you're asking like how to describe work-life balance is I mm. thought of a pendulum instead of a scale, right? Where you try to get the, the center pit, yeah, the, the fulcrum. fulcrum perfectly balanced on either side. You balance the weights and you put little pieces here and little pieces there until they're perfectly aligned. And I was thinking more of a pendulum where you're never going to have it where they're perfectly balanced or like the only the very center is where they meet. But you're going to swing from side to side of like there's leisure and then there's work and then there's leisure. But it's constant. The space between it is constant. Actually, I learned this. Galileo was in church and I don't know if he saw a lamp or like the censure um, was mm-hmm. rocking back and forth, but he saw it and he, using his pulse, he timed it and he's like, it's always the same amount of time on either side and it's, it's always the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know, he was very musically gifted. And oh. A lot of his experience experiments had to do with time and his ability to, to time things. Yes. Was very intrinsic to his thought process. Well, because he was trying to figure out... How do you set a clock, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do yep. you create a clock? And you have to keep finding these constants in nature. And so he, sitting in church, found this constant. Yep. You know, your heartbeat is constant, and he found another constant. So by creating a pendulum, you know that the time is constant. Yeah. It regulates time. It regulates it, And that's it. what, on a, on a, like a, a weight-driven clock, the pendulum is the escapement it actually mm-hmm. is what allows the weight to lower at a very gradual and very regular rate yes and if you ever want to learn more about clocks go to the national watch and clock museum in lancaster county pennsylvania Hmm. highly recommend when you think about that like how much 
just trying to tell time. Like we could that, do a whole podcast on time. We could. Maybe we will. Like, there's so many aspects of time. Time, time, time. But that he's looking for that constant. But it's interesting, like, how a pendulum, it is constant, but it goes from side to side. One extreme to another? Yeah, so it's like, it's, it's not constant, but it is constant. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. So, it's like, it's can, a better re- analogy. You can rebuttal my analogy and come up with another one. I, I agree that it's a weak analogy, but again, I don't believe there is such a thing. No, I so... don't. But also, <laughs> here's here's my problem a little bit with both analogies, not so much with yours, but definitely the Thank work-life you. balance mm-hmm. drives me nuts because for me, you have life. Work is a subset of life. Yeah. It's not that, like, there's your life and then there's your work. Mm-hmm. To me, we can get, we're going to get more in-depth about what work is. But work, when it's properly contrived, isn't solely drudgery. Yes. And it's not... It's, it's not, not like there's your life and then there's your work. Well, it's not that you have work over here, which is purely for survival, and then you have leisure over here, which is is purely for pleasure and what you could term as as thriving and and hedonistic enjoyment. And what we're going to develop is that leisure can be as difficult or or more difficult than work. I think it's more difficult. I certainly think it's more difficult. And when when you actually pursue pure leisure... It's not easy and it's tiring, but it, it wears it wears you down. <laughs> That's what I'm trying it's to say. It's a grind. It's a grind. Back to the grind, baby. What is work and are there different aspects to work that we need to consider? Sure. I think I mean I think at one one point everything is work. E- everything takes effort. I think that if you're looking at work as what takes energy, yes. Everything Takes energy. Even while you're resting, there's a lot of energy expenditure. Yes. But work can be defined as something you do under compulsion. Mm-hmm. Because you have certain needs for your physical body. Yeah. I need to have housing. I need to have clothing. I need to have food. Mm, yeah, food. <laughs> need it. <laughs> I needs it, man. So, so I think you, you have that. So there's, there's work can be described as compulsion and then leisure can be the pursuit of things outside of compulsion, which becomes interesting because then like a lot of times people look at like, oh, my social life is, is leisure, but I don't think it really is necessarily. If so it's those... one quick question though, is the pursuit of leisure a compulsion? I, I feel like it might very well be a little bit. Almost all humans are compelled to create in some way, are compelled to Well, maybe to we should define something. what leisure actually means yeah. before we get too deep in the weeds of that. So leisure actually comes from the Greek school or the Latin scola. And from English, we get, we get school. And scholar. And scholar from that. Uh, so leisure actually is derived from education that's right and and knowledge and learning so and then also leisure is connected to philosophy where like aristotle and and plato talked a lot about leisure and uh one way of describing it is is like 
the pursuit of every man's philosophy incorporating so because like now we kind of say oh I'm a philosophy major or like I study philosophy and we're like oh so then you're a teacher yeah and you you teach about Aristotle and Plato and you know all these young and whatever is Nietzsche Nietzsche and, uh, you know, so, like, that's what you teach, right? Because you've studied all these guys. You know, you remember what all their theses were. And now you teach it to other people. Mm-hmm. Whereas philosophy, uh, properly defined, is an act of transcending the world of work, uh, withdrawing from daily life, experiencing wonder and mystery at the world, asking unanswerable question, seeking wisdom, not knowledge. And that's from a article called The Decline of Leisure and the Academy. It's connecting that that leisure is connected to philosophy and education. And also leisure and philosophy is about learning how to have a mind at liberty. It's all about this idea that you can have a free mind. And that's where liberal education comes in. It's not about, like, we've, we've really changed what liberal education means. But originally what it meant is how to be a free thinker. How, how, how every man is to be a philosopher. So it's, it's about more pursuing your, like, being a philosopher in your own daily life. And does that make sense? Yes. No, how, how not to just be a peasant and think what the ruling lord things like basically mm-hmm. you have a responsibility in a free society yeah, to think is, for and yourself this, and this is what makes leisure is what makes your work different from slavery yes because if you work with no leisure then you're a slave that's right and and they're not leisure as like free time but leisure as the ability to think for yourself and the ability to put down the task you're doing. So here's the thing. I think people feel trapped at jobs where they have the freedom to say no to. Mm. And they don't realize that that element, that leisure space in their head Mm -hmm. is what enables them to not be a slave of their work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But a lot of people are slaves to their work partly because of their hedonic, um, drives. Mm-hmm. So they have a certain lifestyle that they want to maintain. Yeah. And that that's that's using the the play element of of life, the the enjoyment or the the passions, yeah, not the like leisure. Cuz like when we talk about leisure we're like, "Oh, I'm going to sit on the beach and or right. I'm just like taking a moment for myself." Whereas like Plato or Aristotle would have like, "Uh, no. True leisure is a virtue." Right, and right. it's you're, searching you're, out you're wisdom. You're unshackled by slavish desires of the flesh. Like, it's the anti-hedonistic... Right. Now, I mean, know, like, in my, know, my problem with the, the, the Greeks, of course, is they took that too far, where it was like a body bad, mind good. We're going to yes. get away and all, from work. And, also and we're not like, going to place the, the value of leisure into work. Right, and also, like, the hypocrisy of them. Yeah. You know, same thing like with the Stoics. I'm like, there was a fair bit of hypocrisy with the Stoics of like, oh, this is what you should be living and then I'm still going to have this wild party over here. Oh, sure. So like that, that equipoise. And I'm like, I guess this happens with everybody, but it's interesting when you have these strong philosophies, who, who is able to actually maintain it? And I think there actually right. is some truth in what you can maintain, if that makes sense. Like if you have this high ideal and you're always falling short of it. Yes, there is a problem with, with there. There is a problem in that. Either there's a problem with your ideal or there's a problem with with you. 
And yeah, and I don't mean to, like, we do fall short. Like, as Christians, we do fall short. But that's kind of written in the... Right. That's written in the Bible is that you are going to fall short. Yes. And so I think the, the whole... But, like, the idea of, like, oh, you can transcend your body. You can just become this yeah. uber mentor. You can in just become... Strength, you, in your you own strength, this. you can do this. And then you keep falling short. I think there's something fundamentally wrong with... That's right. What you're what you're talking about or what you're saying you should yeah, be doing. Yeah, because in a way, Christians have the highest ideal, yeah. Jesus Christ, who was perfect. But then what it is is it's not dependent on us. We can't achieve that perfection in ourselves. Yes. Whereas the Greeks would say that you can achieve that perfection in yourself mm-hmm. by contemplating the forms and by being liberated from, from work. But the reason that they're liberated from work is because they went and conquered other people and made them work for them. Mm-hmm. Right? So then liberty isn't really like, not all men are truly free. Right. Or can be free. And then really what that means is they're just bound to the people who they bound themselves to. Because what's really funny is because the whole system collapses as soon as there's no slaves. Mm-hmm. So they're very dependent upon something that they say that they're de- free from. Right. Right? Because they didn't incorporate labor into their life, and they yeah. didn't see the value of work. Yeah. So, But what they did is they kind of shoved it off to the side and, and just been like, oh, yeah, people do this. Mm-hmm. And I think farmers actually today feel like that. It's like there's a kind of like just in current events. Mm. I think that there's like, you know how typically you have big cities think one way where they're like, free from any reality that we can we can live a certain particularly green lifestyle without any consequences right and i think what that is is a modern day shunting off this part of the world we don't like yep out of sight out of mind exactly yeah yep and we do that with other countries too we do do, like china we just shunt off that that dark place where we know probably Probably the workers there aren't, like, working in safe OSHA-approved environments. And probably they're not getting good compensation. And they're probably not, you know, happy there. But we'll use them to get what we want. Yes, which is slave. Slavery. It's It's, it's slave labor. Yep. But properly conceived, they're they're bound to do that. They're not free to make a choice. They can't say no. We get to say no to doing what we want to do. But they can't. So, like, that's a very good, like trying to draw it into the 21st century mm-hmm. that's that's that example there they would have thought indulging and a reprieve from self-control and discipline is the anti-leisure yeah so i and i i we we pulled a lot for this podcast from a talk from from Mortimer adler called uh, labor leisure and liberal education and he he divides things into work sleep play leisure and then rest so i think that's interesting to to separate play and leisure it's very important yeah because a lot of times what we think of as leisure is play Mm -hmm. and that's partly what we're talking about is like no it's not so what are some activities that you would define as play um i think it, it matters on headspace but like typically going to the beach Mm-hmm. And think chilling on your phone. Mm, definitely. I yep. And let me think. We had an argument about this. <laughs> and I'm going to acquiesce. 
jujitsu. Are you? Uh, jujitsu is See, playing. See, I really need to have like a sound clip of like, it's jujitsu again. Yeah. <laughs> I have been so good. The opportunities that I do not take to talk about jujitsu are so many. And we all appreciate it. Good. No, okay, tell us about jujitsu. Because you, you were saying earlier that you're like, Megan, I think jujitsu is leisure. And I said, no, Edwin, that's play. As, as defined by, by Adler. So what... I think it is more play than anything else. Yeah. But I do think it is a coming together of certain aspects. I think I think it is a connection of work and leisure because you're trying to become better technically at like you're you're it's trying a skill, to it's a skill that you're trying to develop. Yeah, but it's only developmental of, of like I I don't know if leisure is necessarily only to de- develop skills. Isn't that vocational then? So, like yeah, the, I, I am acquiescing. I'm just <laughs> I, you are right. <laughs> I say, said it was play. Say but, it louder for the people in the back. So, but as play, it is not entirely without virtue. It's not. Okay. It's, it's yes. not. It's. It's not wasteful time. It's not empty and vacuous. Exactly. You can get a lot of good stuff out of doing it. You can. Yeah. You can get that exercise that is good for your body's mm-hmm. maintainment. Yeah. That we need. Yeah. To be properly functioning people so actually by by you saying that that would actually that section of jiu-jitsu would fall if we're going by adler's definition would fall under sleep because sleep is what you need to do to maintain your body so it's not just like your physical like eight hours on your bed it's also like what you eat and what you like your your physical health that's correct and like the the time you put in just to maintain where your body is at yes. so that's where that would fall into yeah okay. and a, a very interesting that f- eating falls under there because we can eat for enjoyment we've talked about eating yeah. and the importance the importance of feasting with other people yeah. right so spoiler alert i think what we're going to find is that leisure is not divorced from any of these segments i don't think it can be i don't th- and I, I think this is, again, where we've talked about mind-body. Can you truly separate the mind and body? And so it, it, it's, it's helpful, actually. Every time I say mind-body, I think of that scene in The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, mm-hmm. where it's like the, the king. With, yes. Like, and he keeps trying to separate his head, and then the head keeps coming back, and like he has his wife, and like... Yes. The, you know, the, the body is, is crude. It's so and... crude and base, and yeah, he still likes it, and he, but he's trying to, you know, transcend himself. And... Yeah. King of everything, Ray de Tutto, but you may call me Ray. You know, the moon is a very insignificant part of my domain now. There is so much, 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 much more. <laughs> Nothing ails me. Can you not see that I am at one with the cosmos? Mm. Ah. Ah. I tell you that and all you can say is, ah. What, are you blind? Baron, let me explain it to you. Since you were last here, I, that is my head, that which is left of me, where the brilliant and important parts are located, is now ruling and governing the known universe. And that which I don't know, I create. I just created spring. But seriously, without me, there would be nothing, not even you. Cogito ergo es. 
I think, therefore you is. There goes my revolting body with the queen. Thinking horrible man! Oh, it's so embarrassing. Please don't look. Maybe you'll go away. Oh, it is hard to believe my body and I were ever attached. We are so totally incompatible. I mean, he is still dangling from the food chain and I am in the stars. Oh, it is so unmetaphysical. No! That's just so hilarious. So every time I say that, I think of that, that scene with Robin Williams. Yes. It's just so funny. And now I forgot where I was going with this. Uh, but no, I don't, I think that you, when you are one, when you are one body, like we're not just brains in a vat that are like on a shelf someplace and yet, and then there's some sort of like robot that's really animatronic thing that like goes out and does the things that the brain wants it to do and then brings back and then the brain is in control of it and like the body is separated. I don't know why I'm just all of a sudden going on this sci-fi thing where I really want to just have brains like all like on a shelf and that's actually what we are is like we are just animatronics. And they're separate brains, but we think we're the brain, but we're not. It's in this room. And so then then the animatronic bodies find the vault of brains and revolt against it. But then they don't realize that that actually is what's going to kill them. Right. So they are. But the... they want autonomy as they want because they, they think they, they want have to brains. be the brains. They want to be the brains and they think because they the have brains it. have done such a good job of making them feel like they're autonomous. Yeah. But then like one figures out that they're not. And then there's an uprising. And then they so kill it, all the brains, but then they realize that actually... Because, like, the brains do a good job making you think that you have a brain. The animatronics have a brain. Yes. And so they're like, oh, no, we don't want this brain controlling my real brain. But it turns out there is no real brain. That's right. And then what happens? One brain is, like, able to conceive of a world where the brain and the body conceives of this room of brains controlling the brains. And it goes and hides the one brain and it's the one survivor kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And it it becomes, but then it but then it it becomes a full circle loop, right? Because basically, then that brain has created a a a brain inside the animatronic that conceives of the brain controlling the brain. Yeah. So then, is the brain God? Oh, this would be so good. Mm-hmm. Especially if you could get Arnold Schwarzenegger to play one of the animatronics, like a young Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Get to the choppers. I'll be back. <laughs> I'm thinking it's kind of like a Zardoz. Yeah, feel. a little bit. It's a little bit like Zardoz. Yes. I, I think this could be, and like a little bit like Brave New World 1984-ish. Yep. Oh, I love this idea. Yep. Let's if develop. You, if this you're a idea. new movie producer, you can yeah, contact, contact us. Contact us. We, we have lots of fake ideas. Exactly. Yeah, and we're we we'll give them for for cheap. Uh, <laughs> we just want credit. <laughs> my idea. <laughs> it's like the self. It's my brain, baby. It's, uh, it's like <laughs> it's like the self-published poetry books. Oh you, you yes. Know, yeah. I'm I'm really not a good poet, but I'll pay you to have it in print. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness! Where were? Oh, that was that was. You talk about gold right there. That was gold. I, I don't Solid know. I, gold. I feel like I almost have to cut that so that people don't get that idea. No, no, no! You gotta, you gotta let. You can't tax ideas. You can't keep them. You can't in a keep box. them to yourself. You gotta it, be free giver. It, you know, if if you love something, let it go, and if it loves you back, it will return. I hate that saying so much. It's <laughs> such a load of bull crap. Yeah, I always wonder how my wife would feel if I'm like, oh, I love you so much, honey. Like, go out on the street. I was like, what? 
No, no this no, is my I house. Think it's, it's, I think it's more like if they want to go, you're supposed to let them go. Oh, is it like kind of like with children? Kind of like they come to the age where they want to yeah. go and you let them go they're when like, they're like a free dad. Oh, <laughs> get away, dad. There is almost in every childhood movie that involves an animal of some sort is like <laughs> releasing the animal and the animal runs away and then looks back and there's a lot of emotion and little mm-hmm. Timmy's got a tear trickling down and and the animal comes back <gasps> and they're reu- reunited in a deeper bond of love. Yes. It's so meaningful. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you finish your jujitsu thing? Because oh. we were at the separation of a body and mind and you were like how... We can define part of jujitsu as um, as sleep. Yes. And some of it as play. Some of it as play. And I think some of it as leisure because what you're trying to do is better yourself. What I think what it is is you're controlling your aggression. You're cr- controlling your emotions, right? Mm-hmm. You're not getting super stressed out by mm-hmm. being in an uncomfortable position. Mm-hmm. And that's that mastery of of yourself. And not in a technical way, but mastery of yourself in terms of how it branches out and how you relate to other people. And that's yeah. and that's the uh, extrinsic quality. Or intrinsic. Extrinsic? Extrinsic. How, isn't that how it helps other people? Yes, how it helps other people. How it helps other people is but by that, you. But that would mean that is, that means is less leisure though. Because leisure would be more intrinsic. Oh, okay. May I compartmentalize? I hate to, but may I? May I? (laughs) Is our language a function of our British cynicism, tolerance, resistance to false emotion, humor, and so on? Or do those qualities come extrinsically, extrinsically, (laughs) from the language itself? It's a chicken and egg problem. We're talking about chickens, we're talking about eggs. But, I mean, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> because like you can Aristotle would say like like leisure is honorable which is intrinsic and then extrinsic is useful yeah so there is a part of it where it is intrinsic because it's just for you it's just for you to well I think what you're saying is like because like you are con- contemplating or like yeah or thinking you're thinking about your emotions I guess exactly. and like kind of like the, the pondering of like humanity as a whole and you can be pondering like this animalistic how you become detached from your own own emotions yeah but i think like too like because you're doing like jujitsu as a a martial art like it's it's kind of like based in like self-defense and like fighting it's fighting it's it's fighting in a a way and i think so you can kind of content like kind of ponder this human need to destroy and fight and like basically like you could use it to say like to hurt somebody Right. right and to but like, like to, and then to who assert, are you hurting and to assert dominance but then also like in this practice you are also like well I'm not going to hurt them yeah and it's kind of that self control like you're in something that is like a more violent but then you're refraining from violence and actually by learning this skill you're less likely to be violent yes so but it's also it's so, maybe it, that's something that is like I don't know I think that's that is the more philosophical side of it but then it also teaches you that violence is not innately evil because mm. sometimes you need to counteract other people's aggression well you're saying since Cain if if somebody was there with Cain and Abel and was able to stop Cain mm-hmm. would they not have been right yes but I think like in the, the the first act of violence is Cain 
Right. In the, the, in the, the first so murder. The first murders, and that's the first act of violence. And since then. But like what I'm, I'm saying been... is that it's, it's it's what in your heart that you're that that matters with violence. Violence isn't it, violence is a tool, mm. and you can use it for good or for evil. You need right. to you need right, to because you... like Israel has to rise up against like the enemies of God, right? Exactly. Like, like the Canaanites, right? And so that's like, is that what you're kind of saying? That's is what that I'm ca- saying. Okay. Is it? It's it's not. There isn't morality attached purely to violence, just like there isn't mor- mm. morality attached to a gun. It's about right. who's pulling the trigger and, and why. why. Yeah. So you know, uh, you know, Bill Buckley said you shouldn't just lump the people who push little old ladies into an uh, oncoming bus and the people who push old, little old ladies away from an oncoming bus into a category of people who push little old ladies. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. I would do a Bill Buckley impersonation, but I can't. No, that one need that one would take work. That's really interesting. I like that a lot. That's uh, that's helpful. Let's talk a little bit about what would be leisure. I in suppose. its purest sense. Because did we? How many examples of play, or did we just get to? We just gave my examples. We basically just gave. Well, I mean. How about your example? No, I think play is pretty self-explanatory. It's like it's like the volleyball game. It's yeah, <laughs> sure. I it, don't play volleyball. I see. Like I have, I have transcended play. Oh, no. yeah. You, you do yoga. Would you describe that as as what? I would describe that as full-on work. Full-on work. <laughs> no, I mean it's, like it's it's, it's compulsion. Com- it's compulsion. No, honestly, there are forms of exercise that I enjoy more. But that my body cannot handle at this point in like time. Like jujitsu. Like jujitsu, I would really like to be weightlifting. Yeah. I really like that. That I like sports more. Like I would love to play tennis and other sports. You Anyways, are capable of doing it without dying. Yes. And the thing is, with the 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 health conditions I have with fibromyalgia and endometriosis, is especially with the fibro is that exercise helps a lot because there's endorphins that you get, so that makes you feel better. But also there's, those, you know, because of fibro that you have so much pain in your body and moving, you, you, you fall prey to dystrophy, mm-hmm. which actually your muscles dying and getting smaller, which actually creates more pain. Yeah. And you become weaker. A lot of what I'm, I'm you know, I think a lot of, trials in life is that it's not about making the problem smaller it's about you getting bigger yeah and so what what yoga allows me to do right now is get bigger than my disease and so so you know so it's, it's able to slowly and in a safe way get stronger and i i honestly like right now i do kind of hope it's not permanent i like more intensity that's just my brain. It's a little bit too slow and a little... I don't know. But, like, there are times when I really enjoy it. So then, like, I would say it either falls into work or sleep, defi- yeah. de- you know, depending on how you want to define it, and play. I would not say... I mean, leisure... If, if leisure is anything about, like, you're trying to improve yourself as a person, then maybe, yeah. But I don't I don't find it is at that, that point for me. Per se, I would I would say maybe like there's there's certain movies that would count as as play. I mean, 
Uh, there's, like we said, like, I, I think this whole podcast is trying to show people how to find the, leisure find the in leisure. a lot of things that could be coined as entertainment or be coined as play. So, Or could be coined as work. Yeah. So it's hard for me to say specifically there's this one thing that, that's played. There are just things that tip the st- scales one way or another Yeah. in terms of these definitions. Play would be like board games or like... But you thing. can always just... Like, we, we're very good at justifying ourselves, yes. aren't we? Yes, we are. But it's not that play is necess- an innate evil. No. And you need to have elements of play in your life. Yes. But that's not purely what leisure is and what, what you should be doing for your leisure activities. Anyways, you were talking about leisure. Leisure. So what I think of right away when, when in this definition, what is leisure? This podcast right here for us is our leisure time. It is a conversation yep. that is in-depth. Yep. It's, it's meaningful. Yep, not small talk. Not small talk. We're trying to tackle questions that we, we don't even have. We are the anti-small talk zone. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> what? How you doing? How you doing? Um, uh, no. No, but what it is. Some weather we're having, right? <laughs> it really is. It was. Actually, like, let's, like, for, like Michiganders, <laughs> it... we actually get really excited because, like, we were having, like, sunny, 40, 50 degree weather. Dirt. And yesterday it was just like rainy, you know, March, normal. Uh, we've had like basically a full blown blizzard at this point. Yes. Overnight. Just like overnight. What was it? Like four inches, three, four inches. It's, it's going to be about three, three, four inches by the time we're all done. Today. Like I, I woke up, looked outside my window, saw all the snow and I'm like, that's not right. I'm dreaming. I went back to sleep. I woke up, looked out again, and I said, no, this isn't right. It's it's Michigan. <laughs> Forget about it, Megan. Forget it's Mich- about it. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. But, so that, what yeah, this, this part, conversation, this, like, I, having a meaningful conversation, and talking about big qu- ideas, and asking questions, that inquiry, that curiosity. And not always having the answers. Yeah. But hopefully discovering some answers, becoming more confused mm-hmm. about more important things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess like going going back to that definition is is the idea of of experiencing wonder and mystery at the world. So that's you know, and asking unanswerable questions, and hopefully attaining a small token of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Well, I think just by like humbling yourself to ask the unanswerable questions. That that is that is in itself wisdom. Yeah. Aren't we so wise? <laughs> Look at us. Look at us go. <laughs> you should be more like us. <laughs> Please no. We have enough of us. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I still think there's only a few tokens of minds out there who can think of the mouse Ruby, who kind of a cat. So, I'm just saying we're unique in a certain way. I know, but but if if there's more of us, then we're not unique. So like, how many how many of us do we need? Yeah, if everyone's special, then no one will be. Ooh. Our powers made us special. Everyone's special, Dash. Which is another way of saying no one is. A little in rain. Ran for you. But also other activities of, of leisure, I think, are painting. Yes. I think of writing. Writing drives me nuts. Yeah. Oh. Writing is the worst. Well, think about writing is you need to think. I know, and that's so hard. It is so it's hard. It's the worst. Proper... Proper thinking's really hard. Yeah. Talking's hard enough, and it involves thinking. I always feel like Winnie the Pooh. Think, think, think. 
think. Yes. <laughs> it's just like tapping the side of my head. Like, please, thoughts work. <laughs> no, writing, reading. Reading. Reading is huge. What else would be uh, musical enjoyment mm-hmm. and musical endeavors? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I look for in a song, Jeans? Uh, not precisely, sir, no. I have often speculated. A spot of philosophy, Jeeves. Something to make you think. Just you listen to this. It really doesn't pay to be a gloomy pill. It's absolutely most ridiculous, positively sill. The rain may pitter-patter. It really doesn't matter. For life can be delish with a sunny disposition. Most heartwarming, sir. Like our last podcast, or yes. well, one of our previous last podcasts, Megan playing her piano. Tickling the ivories. I don't know what accent that was. Tickling the ivories. I don't know. Like my bland. No, bland but I, I do. It means white wood. <laughs> <laughs> but I think with these leisure things, a lot of that is though. What, why are you doing those things? Because we get into very murky waters very quickly when we are painting to sell. To something. sell. And then and when we're and painting, that selling, if you don't sell the painting, you're going to not eat that day. Yeah. And then you're like, I have to keep doing more paintings because otherwise I'm not going to, like, I need to find the one that a buyer will want. Yes. Right. And then I'm going to keep creating. And but it, when it, you're it control, painting. And it controls your style and your choices. Yes. But when you are are painting as a way to carefully take in the world and to see on, things to anew, see things anew, and what what you're seeing, like I just recently had an art lesson and we're we're playing with gouache and I I wanted to paint some ducks. I don't know why. <laughs> why would you pick? Why, that I don't subject? know how that idea even came into my mind, but painting some ducks and because it's about painting. And this is another thing that I've actually become more okay with. But she's like, here, why don't you trace this picture that you have? Mm-hmm. And so we can get to the painting because it's not about the drawing. It's about the painting. Yeah. And get these lines in. So I'm like, great. So I went and traced it and I got done with my tracing where I basically did the, obviously the outline of the duck, but also like some really like rough shapes of the colors like oh this is going to be blue this is going to meld into green and yep. this is where the darks are just to kind of give you a guide and i got done with it and she's like okay so do you want to go super realistic i'm like i'm looking at these lines here where like these really strong geometric shapes and like i kind of just want to roll with that mm-hmm. because it it looks so interesting to to think about like we see a duck and we get overwhelmed by the tiny details of like the little feathers on the face mm-hmm. and like how it dapples into others. But when you, you see the bigger pieces of it. It's a semicircle. It, it brings, it, yeah, it brings it brings something out that you didn't see before. And I think that's the idea of painting and like the idea of something leisure is that you're looking at something and you find something different out of it, right? You're not looking at a duck anymore. You're looking at these different shapes that make up a duck. And... I don't know, like experimenting with that and that how something can still look like a duck when you're expressing more like bold shapes of it. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm saying shapes too many times for that to make sense. But I'm saying what I'm saying is like abstract paintings are not about 
deformation or like decreation. A lot of times it's about expressing the basic shape something is and also the different perspectives that you can see it in. Yeah, but any painting is going to be an abstraction from real life. Any realistic painting you make is an abstraction. Yeah, and I think that's why it's a, a good leisure activity because it has that level of abstraction where you have to bend yeah. your mind and make certain leaps. You do. Where where you, you don't take everything so literally, where you're looking so closely at something, you're like, oh, I never knew that ducks have these ridiculous-looking nostrils on their bills. They do. <laughs> you they, know, and they're yeah. like, that's kind of creepy but cool. It's like an eyeball on their beak. Yeah. <laughs> And it's awesome, right? So you see that, and you're yep. like, wow, I, that's a complexity. And I wonder what that does. And you're like, oh, that's plugged so that when they go down, it, it doesn't get, they don't get water in their bill, head. but in their head, <laughs> in their head, Edwin. It's all kind of nasal, nasal cavities. Nasal cavities in their... Uh, that's why ducks always sound like that. <laughs> they plug their, yeah. their nose. That's yeah. probably why. Yeah. But, like, that's how they plug, and then they dive deep down. And just, like, watching ducks eat. It's hilarious and just fascinating how like something so buoyant that like just floats on top is able to get enough momentum to go down to the bottom. Yeah. And then kind of like the water. paddle and then furiously kind of, like, to stay down there. Yeah. And then they get a few nibbles and they boop, pop up yep. again. Uh, so that you, so you, you learn that, but you also think about abstracting it because you're taking something 3D and making it two dimensional. And then also you have like this. In a, in a like meditative quality of of the mixing the colors and the the brush strokes and so it's like that that having to be in that moment and that's that smoothness. You're contemplating what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And I don't. Taking... I don't love the word meditate. I, meditate. Well, meditate. Well, I think and contemplate are very. It is close. similar. I think contemplate is is better. But I I feel with leisure. A lot of times what you're doing is you're taking note of what you are doing. Mm-hmm. So you're not just digging a ditch. You're looking at yourself digging a ditch. Yeah. And then it incorporates more leisure into the activity. Yeah. Because if you're digging a ditch just to make a dollar, it's, it's drudgery. Yeah. But if you're digging a ditch because you're going to plant an apple tree there and that's going to feed your family and then you're going to be able to paint that apple tree through all these seasons mm -hmm. and you look at it and you take wonder wonder again yeah. in the delight that god has created this this tree this stick that produces food for you to eat yeah and you also get to think of like you got to be part of a life that will will live on beyond you like a tree's life is yeah, longer than you yours are, yeah or at least you like most trees most trees but like that's that's something that like will be there and i think that's what's so cool about tolkien is that he has really contemplated trees and like how trees have seen so much more than than we have like if you if you viewed them as like their people which the ants are the ants are but also like it's it's in, he got interesting too like the bible the people are represented by trees that's right so the the tree person connection has always been there and to to have have these these living things uh that are that are around sometimes for centuries and that you know if you think about like how much wisdom if if you're just standing there if if you're if you were a tree just standing there 
seeing things happen and, and being able just to be so still and, and contemplate it, how wise you would be and how, how much more understanding you would have. Yeah. But that's just because your whole frame of, of reference would change and your strivings would change. Yeah. And, and it, it's that view to death. Yeah. That to that what we began with. Full circle. But yeah. I, I think that's the importance of the ends moving slowly. Yeah. Too. Like that's. But also notice like change the, of time. the ends move slowly, but when they act, their action has results or impact. Yeah. It's not. And that, it's because it's they took time. It is. And they, they did not act rashly but yeah it's, it's not that I, and that's this is a side tangent that sometimes patience and waiting and moving slowly looks like inactivity yeah where it's not and that's that's something where um our our minister really drove home like studying through through lamentations that uh, waiting for the Lord is not an inactive thing. It's not like a passive, let's say fair, I guess, like kind of like whatever will be, will be like, just wait for the Lord. It's an active. An eager expectation. An e- yeah. And just like that you're waiting for the Lord means that you're working hard to wait for the Lord. And you're like, yeah. you're working hard to be It's patient. not what you naturally want to do either because yeah. we think we can do things in our own strength. And maybe that's why we always think that we're so busy because we think we can bring things about by doing it ourselves. Yeah, that's the the bigger problem. Like that, there's, you know, you you can look at maybe like Huxley's Brave New World, where he feared a world of too much of what modern day use of leisure, mm-hmm. meaning uh, too much of the giving into your desires of the flesh, like letting letting you know self control and discipline go. And, but I, I actually think what we have is we have too much work. I don't think it's too much leisure or even too much play. Uh, I think a lot of times we're just so much, so focused on work that we bring emails home. And like every time our phone dings, we're, we're right away going to be working on that. And every time we're outside of our work, whether we work at home or outside of out of home like whenever we are clocked out we're still thinking about it and a lot of what we're doing is is we're trying to feed the the work machine it's like okay I'm going to go to sleep now so I can get up early and get to work and so I get more hours in or I'm going to take even if like I'm going to take this vacation because I'm ineffectual at work now because I'm so tired so I'm going to take a week off so that I can work better yeah it's all to serve work the and idol of work yeah and the, and the question is like if, if rest is only to get you to more work is it rest or is it work and i would say it, it's work then because basically you're just feeding your your physical need to stop long enough so that you can work which is not rest no it's not it's not leisure either no it's it's it is that constant work. It's it's always being there. Yeah. And you're just trying to like decompress. Yeah, exactly. And you're just so trying you... to decompress enough so that you can sleep so you can get to work. Yeah. And that's where it becomes a hamster wheel. Yeah. And that... And it, it, or the rat, uh, uh, rat race. The rat race or Ruby the mouse wheel. Yes. What What's a better word? Like what's a more ancient term for a wheel? What's a... 
uh, Ruby the mouse. I, I want to say aqueduct because that's <laughs> Roman, but that has like absolutely nothing to do with running. Well, I mean, he could have been swimming. Swimming, swimming, running water. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, no, there's got to well, be running, something. No, no, no. The aqueduct would then feed the water wheel. So it's all really connected. It, I, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> Work is is become like you were calling it an idol, but that's where people are like, oh, we need to have a balance. But then we're like, oh, more vacation is is the answer, and I don't think that is. It's incorporating because, leisure into your work. Yeah. Doing something that isn't by compulsion. Doing. Yeah. Every job you have is going to have parts that aren't so fun. But if you realize that you're not a slave to it mm-hmm. and you're doing it because you enjoy it for its own sake. Okay, but like scenario, what if you don't enjoy it, but you have to be there because you have a family to support? Mm. Like, well, so, I do so think like, about... How do, you, how do you free your mind well, in how did T.S. Eliot free his mind? T.S. Eliot? T.S. Eliot worked, at the bank? worked he, as a bank clerk for years. I think he liked it because it was almost like a simpler job so that it, it freed his mind. He could have He could have always said no to it. In a way. Well, he didn't he need to at one point? He needed the financial support, but he could have done some other job that was right. not bank clerking. Yeah. But it did give him the opportunity to to write poetry. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the, what he was looking for. And that's the cool thing about work. And this is where you have an opportunity to to put in leisure. In work, there's a lot of tasks that are, are repetitive and one could say mind-numbing. Mm-hmm. But there there's your opportunity. When to, you're working on the factory floor, your your brain is free to think about things. Yeah. You're, if... You know, and when you're just, like, copying and pasting on the computer, right? Or, like, you just have to, like, punch in a bunch of numbers. Yeah. When you're just welding, you can you are free to think about a lot of different things. Yeah. The thing you got to be careful about is that you, it's harder to control your thoughts than you think. And you can control them in good ways or in bad ways. I guess maybe what we should do is we should come up with, like, leisure cards. Leisure cards. Leisure, leisure cards, which I'm trying to, like, isn't there, like, oh, oh, you know, like, how, like, cards have, like, suits? Yes. So we could call them leisure suits. Okay, I like get this. It, get yeah. it? Because, like, that, that used to be a so thing that people wore. Expound further. <laughs> well, because, like you're saying, like, your thoughts sometimes go into a place, and that's where, like, reading the classics and, and reading big ideas, right? Because, like, that's kind of makes you into that leisure mode, right? Because yep. you're, like, interacting with it, right? Yeah. And then you're saying, well, like, if you're at work, then your mind can go places that are not leisure and then are not very helpful and then make the drudgery feel more like drudgery because you're unhappy or whatever uh so what if we came up with like with cards of like Nietzsche said this and what do you think about that and like kind of Ah. ideas of like how like prompts of like how to like this is in the bible and this is like I don't know this is a big idea here and this is you know try with every like if you're doing something repetitive think of this or I don't know, like, I guess it's kind of brain teasers, but I guess, like, loftier brain teasers. Like, leisure suits, the lofty brain teaser. 
we got a tagline already. Well, let's go. <laughs> let's do this. I don't like. Do you when, think that would when be you look at the void, that? the void stares back. Contemplate. Yeah, I don't know. I would like that. I don't know, but I don't know if that's just too gimmicky and too too dumb, and if that ends up actually being anti leisure. Again, that all depends on people's headspace. So Ugh. annoying about the headspace. The uppermost region vacuity. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. I like that. That, that was good. But Put that I, on I, a guess, I guess too, like it can be like because if if, if leisure derives from the word that we get school from, school or, or or school, which is Greek and and Latin, and I'm probably saying it completely wrong. That's okay. We're American. Uh, We're allowed to say other languages wrong. Perfect. Uh, so there there could be pieces of education on it where that you try to to remember it or just like you try to think about yeah, it. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like there's things to think about. Like 10 plus 10 mm-hmm. and 11 plus 11 equal the same thing. Yeah. 10 plus 10 equals 20. 11 plus 11 equals 22. See, those are the profundities that we need to put on our cards. I know, right? Or you're quickly going to be fired from this job. <laughs> <laughs> you keep coming up with gold like that <laughs> you're welcome folks <laughs> but also it becomes a habit so like if, if you're you know working your job and it's just work and then you go home if you are like focusing on incorporating leisure and you're like you're reading books then like you keep doing that then you're going to go to work and you're going to start thinking about it right and then it's going to be just come like this big mush where there isn't as much separation does that make sense? I think so, and I think because like if you're if you're going home and you're painting, at work you're going to be thinking about painting. Like, oh, I had this problem here doing this. You know, what if I try this? And that's when you're like mulling things over, I guess. Does I think that make so, sense? and I think you can continually work towards bringing your your labor more and more in connection to your leisure. And and why why is this something that we want to do? What was really interesting in Adler's piece is he was talking about the Garden of Eden and how without sin it would consist entirely of leisure activities. Do you agree or disagree with that? I think work would have had an entirely different nature because it wouldn't have been... because we would have had tasks, which leisure gives you tasks to mm-hmm. do. But this podcast cr- has a lot of effort in it, mm-hmm. but it's, but the tasks that you do for leisure's sake are one immensely enjoyable. They feel right. They feel like what you're supposed to be doing. But the reason they feel like what they're supposed to be doing is you're exploring God's creation and recreating with it. And, what I think work does is, what work is, is it, it's seeing the marks of sin on creation. So mm-hmm. now now when you plow a field, it's not just effortful, it fights back. Like you plow a field just for it to sprout weeds. Yeah. And and there's like this, this vanity of vanities that happens in life. Because you are not in that connection with with the lord anymore like you were in in eden, in eden. yeah and 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 in eden like is it the you, you shall rule and have dominion and we know that adam did like he named all the animals
would be considered like that could be a job, a work. Like yeah. that's you they're, know that's something zoologists that's a task. do that all the time. That's a task, right? So that could be considered, but that's not. That wouldn't have been, like that's not work as uh, what we think of, and yeah. that's where uh, we're saying that it would have been all connected, right? So like leisure would have been work, and, and I guess like work could be like what you do under compulsion, and there would not have been that. You would have done it without compulsion. You would have done yeah. it joyfully. Yeah. And that's that's the difference. If you want to help us make a difference in your life, check out our shop on Etsy. Now, we've been talking a lot about like whether you can do your work and leisure at the same time. In our Ducks Never Waver shop is that attempt. We are attempting to do what we love, which is make beautiful things and have people enjoy them. Yes, there is money involved with this, but that is just purely coincidence. Yes. We didn't we didn't we were born into this capitalistic society. <laughs> we didn't we didn't make it up ourselves. But you giving us a few pesos helps us do what we love to do mm-hmm. more. It's not so much that, oh, wow, now they've sold their soul to the devil. They're making things and selling them. Yeah. And the art is gone. No, the art will continue well, on. you get to think of yourself as one of those, like, fancy patrons. Yes. You basically are, what you are. Yes. You, when you purchase something. Yes. It, you just reap the rewards. You're like the, the Medici to Michelangelo. And... <laughs> Crap, I just compared myself to Michael. <laughs> wow, that was Con- slick. Conceded much? I don't think so. <laughs> well, they're the Domenici, so that I mean they're, they're, yeah. I put them up too. Yes. So everybody wins and that. <laughs> You're so, welcome, folks. Sometimes I should think before I speak. <laughs> nah. <laughs> that would be boring. That would be. If this if we thought before we spoke, this podcast would not exist. <laughs> probably but we we entreat you to come take a look take a look see and if there's anything that sparks in your soul a connection of enjoyment and happiness mm-hmm. buy it yeah it's that simple we're it's, not it's really not that hard and we, we ship it right to your house so you don't even have to to move like you could just order it on your phone that's and then, right. And then we'll just bring it to you. Basically. And the amount of joy that we receive. Oh, my goodness. The exaltation, like the exuberance. The, the, yeah, the happiness. We even have a little pin board here. And when you place an order, we put a little pin Bing. right where that order came from. <laughs> and it, and we want to cover the map. Yes. Not because we're, we're greedy or anything. It's just because... It just means that there's that many people, unique individuals who yeah. got a unique piece of art. Yeah, and you get to be it, part of the quacky family. It's just we're, we're, we're keeping track of our family and their flight patterns. Exactly, the migration. The migration plans. Yeah. Yeah, right Right now we're all over the place, so. <laughs> there's not much in Nebraska and Kansas. Yep, so, uh, yeah. You guys could pick it up a little bit. <laughs> like, Nice. Pick up the slack there. It's like where where is culture? <laughs> Apparently not in Nebraska and Kansas. You guys can do better. North Dakota coming in strong though. Very yeah, that's very impressive. impressed. That is very impressive. Yes. Yep. So we didn't even think you got um, internet service out there, but apparently you do. Yeah. And uh, Good on we're, ha- we're we're happy, happy for you. I know. We're we're happy to have you aboard the the Quacky family. Other than that, we hope that you have enjoyed this audio recordation. Yes. 
Hopefully this this brought you a, a moment of, of leisure. If not, don't tell us. That's fine. Yeah, do, you, we will <laughs> blissfully be unaware of that. Yes. Criticisms you can keep to yourself. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're, Constructive we're, and otherwise. Exactly. We don't need any of it. Yes. <laughs> we really appreciate you guys hanging out with us. So as always, be pleasant. Stay quacky.